0: Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here with another quick reminder, as usual, to subscribe wherever you podcast. Leave us a rating, a review if you would be so delightful. And of course, let all your other nerdy friends know about us, because we are all nerds at heart. You know it's true. Uh, And if you have any questions, comments or concerns or want to reach out to me in any way, sending me photos of your dogs, of uh, mascots, you know... Eurovision tips that will make sense later on today, please do so. Shoot me an email egraney at postmedia.com or you can find me on Twitter at emma Grainy. Enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journalist Politics Podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, May 11, 2018, and this is the Conventionally Unconventional Convention episode with Woo. me today. <laughs> We've got a cheer. Yay. Yes. With me today. I, I think Emma deserves a cheer
1: <laughs> for just getting through this week. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, this is, this is what, your 12th, your 12th straight day working? Yes. Excellent.
0: <laughs> my brain is broken She'll Paula be Simons. appropriately compensated, don't worry <laughs> 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 Paula Simons, how are you?
1: I'm spanking happy I'm flushed with the moral virtue of having ridden my bicycle to work for the first I time this that. year so. I saw
0: it downstairs next to mine, fantastic yes. Nice work, uh, Claire Clancy Hello. How are you? I'm
2: great. I had a lovely relaxing weekend last weekend while you and Graham were picking up all the slack at the convention. So
0: so Graham also picked up some kind of bug at the convention and is off sick today,
2: Sarah
3: O'Donnell. So I am here. I am no Graham Thompson, but here I am. I'll do my best.
0: It's an all ladies episode today. It's lovely. So we are going to be talking about... which will come as a surprise to nobody, the UCP convention over the weekend. It was unconventional, mainly in its size. There were like 2,600 people there on the Saturday night when Brad Wall and Jason Kenney spoke. There were 3,000 people, which is a ton of people in Red Deer. I think like every hotel room was booked in that, in that place. So we're going to talk about the resolutions they passed, the whole vibe of the thing, um, and the NDP's reaction as well. Also, we will briefly look at the latest iteration of election financing rules because the NDP just can't get enough of that. They love passing more of them. What a time to be alive. Let's start off with the UCP. Good topic. <laughs> Let's start off with the UCP convention. Sarah. Emma, you, you were there. Yeah. But
3: I. I've, you used to cover conventions. I did. I've covered a, a few conventions in my day. I, and I got to, you know live vicariously through you from afar, (laughs) since, you know, we were keeping in contact about what was going on. It really was a fascinating... And it's amazing how much political convention history in this province happens in Red Deer. When I think about how many things I've witnessed in that Red Deer hotel... is it the Sheraton? I, yeah. I'm the Sheraton yeah, the yeah. Sheraton. It's just, uh, but, you know, I, I have, I've seen some big conventions with hundreds and hundreds of people, but certainly nothing like the size that was described uh, by, by you and Graham and other, other political reporters on the weekend, 2,600 people. It's a lot of people who want to be part of history and, and get their first, their say on the ground floor of the policy.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what they thought. <laughs>
1: what,
3: yeah, what
0: have their say? Have their say? We're putting that in, our, mm-hmm, in air yes. quotes. What yeah. was interesting, uh, there was a larger convention, um, we were doing some research, uh, in Edmonton at the PC Leadership Convention in 1986 or 1985, and it was at the cattle thing up here, mm. and there were about 4,000 people turned up to that. However... Only eighteen hundred delegates. So this was actually two thousand six hundred delegates. Well, and
1: this also wasn't a leadership convention. I mean, a leadership convention no. has a built-in narrative of excitement that yeah. you know, and that was you know picking the leader after after Laheed right? So, uh, or was that after Getty? Getty. After Getty. No, so no, I mean, no. Getty it, Go, Getty won. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the leader after Lougheed. So that was a huge, that was a huge thing at a time when pretty much everybody in Alberta was a conservative. So I mean. <laughs> It's almost not a fair comparison.
3: What was very interesting to me was the arc of the whole weekend and and the initial, the excitement and the, you know, the political aviators having Brad Wall speak and Jason Kenney, and it seemed like... And
1: Andrew Scheer, uh, yeah, of Ambrose.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I thought this was going to come away as a, you know, wow, they did manage to accomplish their their successful weekend. It was, it went off without a hitch, I, th- <laughs> I thought, because I thought that they would also, um, given the strict control that we've seen jason kenney exert and influence over the party so far um but then on sunday i'd love to hear from you about what that how that dynamic changed in terms of when they actually started debating policy and sunday seemed to be where they where things went off the rail yeah (laughs) Yeah. definitely (laughs) for the leadership anyways Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting. So Sunday um, was the policies, the actually policy resolutions that they wanted to pass. Now we had a book that I, I'm going to show. You. It was about this thick, readers. I mean, At, listeners, you yeah. can't see, but this thick, about an inch. Yeah, about an inch. Like 250 something in there. They just were kind of ripping through them pretty well. So the first lot of motions. Um, were kind of these group motions on big topics. So you had education, you had a health, you had a environment, and they would just kind of vote through. The debate was sometimes, do we want to grab one of these motions out of the group motions and maybe then pass it separately so we can have a separate debate or if it was contentious? So there were two points that really stuck out for me when that happened. First of all, about the carbon tax. So they voted overwhelmingly to take the carbon tax. We will axe the carbon tax, motion out of the group motion so that they could vote on it separately. And I guess they wanted it to be a hundred percent but it only got ninety eight percent. It was passed by ninety eight percent. And
1: who were the who were the, the brave two percent <laughs> at a, a UCP convention <laughs> who defended the carbon tax well
0: the uh, the MC actually he did an amazing job but um his name is Blair, he did a lot of the PC ones. But he kind of joked, look guys, guys, yes is one Two is no, remember? Uh, You've hit the wrong button. Uh, So that was quite funny. And then, of course, the other big one that came out was the parental consent line in education, which was not specific to GSAs. It didn't mention them. Gay Straight Alliances. it didn't mention them at all. What it said was, um, we will bring back parental opt-in consent for any subjects of a sexual or religious nature.
1: Or extracurricular activities. I mean that's it does I mean yeah th- I mean this is the thing. Provincial law has always allowed that you can have an opt out for religious education and sexual yeah. education. I mean that's not new. That that, that wasn't new with Bill forty four with Ed Stelmack. Um, I mean, that is still there. And and I support that. That the resolution also makes specific mention of extracurricular activities, and that's the coded language yeah, for the is. GSAs.
0: On that, Jason Kenny said he wouldn't vote for; he would not have actually voted for this motion because it, it what it said was reinstate parental opt-in consent and parental opt-in consent was never a thing so you can't reinstate something that was never a thing
2: but so interesting to see kind of UCP MLAs urging people not to vote yeah. for this resolution because it does look so socially regressive yeah I mean,
1: and that's the thing it's opt-in as opposed to I mean what we have now is opt-out so this is like negative option billing you know I mean so so if if say at my daughter's public school when they brought in the gideons to hand out the new testament and i was not happy i had the right to opt her out of that in her public school oh. um but but i didn't but opt in would mean that you would have to get everybody's permission yeah. preemptively as opposed to giving them the chance to pull out yeah. and 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 that's a, that is a huge Difference too.
3: Yeah, Th- this was such a f- this was such a fascinating debate. I mean, and and it, it sounded like the mics were stacked up. Oh yeah, up people were lining people up lines. Yeah, and I mean, it the the language in this. I mean, it it's in the moment. It just seemed so. St- it felt like Groundhog Day. First of all, because again, seeing these pol- these kinds of policies at different. Um, uh, conservative conventions over the years. And then to see people, what really struck me was Rick McIver yeah, getting yeah. up to that microphone. Rick McIver, who I have always thought of as among the more conservative of the, uh, of the MLAs and, and socially conservative, um, getting up there and trying to talk about the lessons that he has learned as an MLA and how they were going to be perceived, and it really seemed like a heartfelt speech, and I know that he was criticized by some after for saying what he did, but I just thought, they're not listening to him. Like, how can Rick McIver be saying this, and the people in this new party are not listening to not him? Not just not
0: listening to him, they booed him. Yeah. He got booed, and the uh, the MC, he kind of said, it was the first time I'd seen him get persnickety and get mad at people and say... Oi, we're a united party. Stop with your booing nonsense. He actually stopped the clock on that because mm-hmm. Rick, Rick McIver got up and said, "I beg you, do not vote for this motion because this will make us the Lake of Fire party." Mm-hmm. And then people started booing. Some clap, but he was basically being heckled. The MC stopped the time for the first time and said, "I stop the clock. Everyone needs to stop this nonsense. This is not how we're doing it in this room. We're a united party." Stop with your booing and we're going to go to the mics. Rick, start again. Your time starts again from 30 seconds. So Rick McIver said that he was going to go on, you know, and he went on with this, like, they'll call us the Lake of Fire party. I beg you, please do not pass this motion. It is about outing gay kids.
2: And that's exactly how it played out because then, you know, on Monday morning, obviously it gave the, or even on Sunday night, the NDP could come out and say, look at the incredibly regressive policy that they want to pass.
1: I was sitting in an airport in Toronto as Emma was reporting this. And I just thought to myself, you know, this, this is the challenge. Jason Kenney ran for the leadership and said, I'm not presenting any policies because we're going to be a grassroots party and we're going to let the grassroots decide what our policies are. So every time we tried to nail him down, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? When he was running for the leadership of the UCP, or when he was running for the leadership of the conservatives, and then when he was running to unite the parties and be the leader of the UCP, He would just keep saying, well, you know, I'm not going to present policies because they're going to come from the grassroots and we're going to have a grassroots guarantee that the grassroots people will decide what our party platform is. So, you know, it is true. That a grown up political party doesn't work that way. But that's not what Jason Kenny told people. He told people he was gonna be governed by the grassroots. And then all of a sudden, when the grassroots rose up and tried to grab him by the ankles, um suddenly he was, I'm the guy with the pen. Nothing will be in the party, you know, in the party platform that yeah. I don't agree to. And, you know, that's fine coming from any other political leader. Any other political leader can say that with credibility because that's what being a political leader is. It's pretty hard to say that when you have spent the last, you know, 12 months telling people that you don't have any policy. You know, (laughs) you know, it's all going to come up. up from the peoples, uh, turns out the peoples aren't sheeple's,
0: and and you know, and, and the, the peoples she- are Jason Kenny. <laughs> well, I mean, Kenny's I mean, well, that's the other and, thing. Right? And, not and, only,
3: you- and not only that, but we've seen the pressure that. That socially conservative element of either of any of the conservative parties in Alberta can exert on the members of that party. We've seen it stymie leader after leader. It stymied Daniel Smith. It stymied Brian Jean. It certainly was something that Alison Redford and Jim Prentice had to deal with. And like
1: instead and, st- and, 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 and stomach.
3: stomach. So it is. It's it's you can it's all fine and good to say well I'm just going to ignore that particular policy or that's not what I'm going to do but history tells us that that's not how it plays out.
2: And as a quick aside, the Grassroots Guarantee website for Jason <laughs> Kenney has been down um, yeah. because of an apparent uh, changing IT vendors. It's
0: disappeared off the internet and nothing ever disappears off the internet. <laughs> mm, major coincidence, yes.
1: You
3: know, just, just a
0: coincidence. It's, it's funny. I got into an argument on Twitter, as one
1: does, uh, <laughs> as, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with, with, with Norman Spector, who used to be chief of staff, to Brian Mulroney, who said to me, well, but this is how political parties behave. Why are you expecting that the grassroots should decide the policies? I'm like, no, sweetheart. That's not the point. The point, yeah. the point isn't that I think that this is how the party should work. The point is that Jason Kenney, this is what he told people.
3: And and Alberta, there's that wave in Alberta from reform to Wild Rose where that grassroots uh, responsiveness is is part is it's inbred it's part of our the system it's
1: part of the dna of the party so you know i mean the last person who was able to shut down the far right elements ironically was Ralph Klein. And ironically, it was with the Delwyn Vreen decision. I mean, you know, I, I... And that took a darn long time to yeah. shut down, like shut yeah. down. It was yeah. not a... But you know, the last the last person, because the only way you can control the party in that way is to say, I'm going to win. So this is what Jason Kenney has to convince people is just like, shut up, and I will become the premier. And then you'll want to follow me because I'm going to be your path back to power. Uh, that is how he keeps those people quiet. But I was shocked to see them booing Rick McIver, who's mm-hmm. not exactly to the far left. Uh, <laughs> McIver and Jason Nixon and, yep. you know, here, here. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, to see thoughtful, respected MLAs with experience who are going to be the people that that party needs, to see them being, you know, not eaten alive by their base, but having their toes nibbled, uh, that's, <laughs> that was astonishing. Mm.
2: And I, I mean, any hope, I think, for that convention to come across as um, kind of the moderate version of the UCP, it was destroyed by what happened on Sunday, and it totally overshadowed kind of what happened over because, those two because, days. Because it
1: wasn't just the GSA. There was a, a similarly coded language resolution that doesn't say the word abortion, but the logical interpretation of it would be that parents could prevent their teenage daughters from having abortions. Uh, like, you know, why you would want it not just touch that third rail, but grab onto it with both hands. Uh, there was, you know, and then the, the other resolutions, I mean, it just seemed so stale. Go back to the flat tax. Uh, you know, em- embrace two-tier health care. Mm-hmm. I, I had honestly thought that there might be some fresh ideas. Something mm-hmm. that you know, would add a new note to the political chord, but go back to the flat tax. That's, you know, that's the freshest idea you got. Um, I I think if Kenny actually wants to convince people uh, to vote for him, it's not just a question of not looking politically uh, far to the right. He has
0: to give people something that isn't a recycled Ralph Klein policy. You know, what's funny is uh, on the um, the motion 30, which is the you know gsa parental consent one a very similar worded resolution went in front of the wild rose convention in 2016 and derek fildebrand got up at the time i was at that convention same room fun fact <laughs> tell you political history <laughs> everywhere it's everywhere. man and that got voted down by wild rose fairly considerably too like 80 something percent voted against that very similar motion from the wild rose side so that to me was interesting because there is this narrative you know it's it was the, you know, the Wild Rose taking over the very conservatives taking over the, the other ones. Well, the Wild Rose was always the more conservative of the conservative parties. So it's interesting that they just, just said big fat no to a policy just like that. And then this one passes with 57%.
1: And well, not that only- is what
0: happens when you let
1: 2,600 delegates into the room. If you have a true delegate system, then the delegates, you know, are are, are much more attuned to the notion of we are the party that wants to be in power, so let's have policies that will get us elected. Once you let
3: 2,600 people into the room, you lose control of that debate. It also makes you wonder where have uh, people who would consider themselves conservative but are not socially conservative, have they just actually left? I mean, has it changed? the? In, I mean, we know that it has changed somewhat, but maybe that shows us the degree to which the makeup of the party membership has changed. And
2: I think what's interesting is that we'll see... Um, I don't think it will be the kind of right socially conservative party necessarily. It could just become Jason Kenney's party because he has said that uh, yep. the pol- how are the policies going to be decided? It won't be by those grassroots voters necessarily. I hold necessarily. the pen, he said. Right, I'm, exactly. I hold the pen
0: and I will develop, I will listen to these and I will use it to develop mainstream policies. Exactly. That's what he told which the you, media. So, the question, they, yeah.
2: so they could still attract moderate kind of conservatives because uh, they will just say, look, these were people that voted for these policies at the convention, but what did it really mean in the end? It's not going to be in our platform.
0: Yeah.
1: you know,
2: Is it an issue still? I don't know.
1: Jason Kenney is a very smart man and he's a very strategic politician and he has not gone through these last two years to be the leader of the opposition. He wants to win and he knows that he can't win by letting the party... Let the Yahoos out of the bottle, and as Sarah said, he's been an extra I mean, he's like he's like a capital C control freak. The idea that Jason Kenney is going to let the grassroots dictate things was, was always an illusion. It was, you know, it was a slogan that he sold. Uh, the grassroots. It even have a stamp.
0: It even said grassroots guarantee, yeah, like he like was stamp in the yeah, stamp in the literature. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> that
1: website. I can't believe stamps anymore, Paula. That website's gone, and it's never coming it makes back. Me want a stamp? <laughs> it
0: says um, that. and then. Now, the political fallout of this, of course, uh, Clancy, you mentioned this earlier. Now, you've been around the ledge this week when scrum after
2: scrum and question after
0: question in question period has done
2: nothing but go back to the UCP policies, right? It handed the NDP a really amazing opportunity whereby, um, you know, on Monday, I guess, as an aside, um, there were new pandas in Calgary. (laughs) Very exciting um, (laughs) for the zoo. But uh, Rachel Notley was at that announcement and she... uh,
1: Surrounded by pandas. <laughs> and, and, and little children dressed as pandas.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and she uh, told reporters in Calgary that uh, it was, you know, people asked her about what she thought of the UCP convention and it, you know, immediately the Premier and uh, later on in the week NDP MLAs could just immediately go to the GSA resolution and other resolutions and um, and say this is what the true heart of the party is. We've seen what they are really like. Uh, it's like unveiling the truth behind them kind of messaging. Yeah, you said a lot, the, uh, we've, we've seen behind the- curtain yes exactly and and we've seen kind of what the truth of them are so i I think i mean it offered up the ndp a great opportunity this week i suppose um but uh yeah that's what we've seen scrum after scrum which were they capitalized upon when they when they blew up their bubbles
1: uh I mean, this oh, yeah. this is the thing that was so extraordinary to me. The, I mean, the UCP under Kenny, they continue to run from the house every time they get to another iteration of the abortion clinic bubble zone debate, uh, which led to this completely surreal moment where Derek Fildebrandt, as the last, that was amazing, <laughs> as the last small C conservative in the house. So so explain to me, he came up with an amendment. He came up with nine, amendments, nine amendments to, to that the bill. bill.
2: And, and one what, of them passed and it was, it was hilarious I was because the, he was so shocked that they voted for his amendment. I
0: was in the House actually because I obviously wanted to go up and watch this even though my brain was broken because it was like quarter past five or something at that point. And he introduced an amendment that basically would allow municipal police forces and municipal officials to enforce the bubble zones. And the NDP and Karen McPherson from the Alberta Party, they're like... That's a great idea, Derek. So Derek Fildebrand gets up and he, he, he actually did a little fist pump and he's like, yes, I got one. And the NDP are up voting yes. Derek Fildebrand's up voting yes. Karen McPherson from the Alberta Party's voting yes as well. And then he kind of looked really shocked, and he's shaking his head, and they're all laughing, and he's like, I got one. Oh, this is not – I'm not usually voting with you guys. This is amazing.
1: It, pa- I mean, it passed unanimously.
0: It did, so, yeah. I mean, so this is the consequence. If you're going to run away,
1: then, you know, if you don't like what the NDP came up with with their amendments, and if you're
0: not happy that, you're, that your old bro, Derek Fulton Brandt, is I- – you know, I can't help but get the feeling he's just doing what he's doing really to mess with the UCP because every time he pu- he puts an amendment forward and it gets a vote on, the UCP members in the House have to get up and walk out and then get up and walk back in and then get up and walk out and then walk back in and then get up and walk out. Cue that nine times. Like it looks really, really so, bad. So, so
1: combined with the abortion hinting motion from Red Deer – this was not, a, you know, if Jason Kenney wanted to get back on message and the message is the economy, the message is the pipelines, the message is good governance, uh, you know, I was surprised. I mean, I mean, I was not in Red Deer, obviously, but I, maybe it's just that I didn't see the coverage. There didn't seem to be a lot of debate about actual economic policy.
0: No, there wasn't a lot of debate about it because they're on the same page. Basically, axe carbon tax, bring back a flat tax. um, And generally, uh, they did pass a a whole body of motions towards those group motions that was like balancing the budget and being fiscally prudent and that kind of thing. But there wasn't debate about it. No, not nowhere near the
2: amount of debate. And and how
1: exactly are we going to balance the budget with a flat tax and no carbon tax? Oh,
0: Paula, hush with your questions. Um,
2: (laughs) In terms of also political fallout, Jason Kenney on Monday was in Ottawa. He went to uh, talk about... Yeah. the carbon tax in the uh, federal budget bill. So I think that was also, you know, he wasn't around uh, at the ledge to respond to questions about the UCP convention. Yeah, he's
0: only scrummed once this week, I think. Yeah, he's he? been
2: away. Um, but uh, but what's interesting, I guess, is that it, it, that also gave the NDP kind of an opportunity to say, well, he went off to Ottawa first chance he got. He went got. back to
0: his safe space. <laughs> yeah. That was what uh, Shannon Phillips said. He went back to his safe space. Um, I do want to throw in as well, Brad Wall had and one of the best speeches I've seen at a political convention, like, ever in the time I've been covering them. Well, now that he's living in Alberta.
1: And, and he's in <laughs> he's Alberta. I'm living here three days a week every oh, now okay. and again, Paul. All right. I actually had a good did, chat did, with did, him. Did he change the license plates on his car?
0: He, he joked about that in his speech. But he was like pulling out joke after joke, hilarious political he, jokes. In the
2: photos, he just looks very relaxed. Oh, I think Just he as feels someone pretty. who wasn't there. He
0: feels super chill. And then I tried to get him because I had a chat with him because, of course, I know him from Saskatchewan days. I know his son rather well. Um, and then. And then as he was coming back in and I was with uh, a couple of our CBC colleagues and we tried to stop him because scrum him right and ask him a couple of questions. Said, hey, Brad, can we grab you on the record, mate? And he's like, nah. I'm like, come on, Brad. And he's like, nah, I've got to do my speech. I'm like, you do not. And then he poked his tongue out at me and kept walking.
2: He doesn't Life as a anymore. civilian. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to stop anymore. That's right.
0: I want to switch gears now briefly to the new piece of legislation that the NDP introduced this week couple of them but this specifically is about election financing which I think is the fourth time that they have changed the election financing bill since uh act since they've been in office maybe fifth maybe sixth who can really tell there's been a lot of changes but this one specifically
2: is interesting Clancy uh sure yeah so basically it will prevent parties from uh pooling their money um and it also increases fines for violations. Uh, it's a step towards this democratic renewal process that the NDP has kept talking about. And um, the it's a two million dollar limit, I think, on yeah. the yeah. So, so
0: pooling yeah. their money. I don't explain to me. Okay, so basically, right now, um, if say hypothetically speaking, and now the government is saying, no, we're not really aiming this at the UCP. It just so happens that right now it might affect them. Hmm, what a thing. So basically, there's a $2 million election spending limit for parties um, during elections, and this also increases to by-elections as well, so it also applies there. So as it stands, um, the UCP, the PCs, and the Wild Rose could all use $2 million and kind of pool their funds in a way kind of hypothetically pool their funds and spend $6 million. Oh, well, that would, I mean, okay, that's a perfectly reasonable change. I mean, yeah. sure, that targets the UCP, but you can't, That that's, that's not fair. Yeah, and and there are and Jason Kenny said this too. And the NDP admits it's like Jason Kenny said, you know, they kind of had a, a gentleman's agreement that that was never going to happen. And Jason Nixon talked to the House leaders and said, look, that's not going to happen. We're not trying to play fast and loose with the rules. That's what Jason Kenny said. But this is basically a way of closing that loophole so that if they were to do what they said they weren't going to do, they would be subject to fines now.
2: And Jason Kenny said they're going to support the bill. It's yeah, not absolutely. controversial. But he also said it wasn't necessary in the first place because they were never gonna do that but
1: you could but you could see that coming down the road i mean say the alberta party and the liberal party exactly uh, yeah yeah yeah, i mean that's that's just common
2: sense
0: yeah it does make sense also it ups the fines as well so it goes from i think it's ten
2: thousand a hundred thousand up to a hundred thousand dollars it so it it effectively doubles the penalty for candidates nomination contestants and chief financial officers to ten thousand and um it's up to a hundred thousand dollars for parties yeah
3: well I mean this the election is looming I mean we. Yeah. I feel like people have been counting down since well for basically since conservatives have been counting down since the NDP got elected <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me at all to be uh in you know you don't want to be doing it too close to the election because that looks totally sketchy but you know a year out <laughs> to be like looking at all the various potential loopholes and being like uh-oh we didn't think about that when we wrote the, cause some of their legislation came quite quickly when they were yeah. first elected. Right. And, and they were closing some fairly, yeah. uh, egregious, uh, and that's the thing. Loop, is uh, Loopholes and things that were allowed under previous election spending like, in Alberta. So
2: Yeah, and when you look at all of her, their legislation and um, kind of as a whole, you have things like limiting yeah third-party advertisers and um, spending caps, and mm-hmm. so it's like all together they have made quite a few changes to mm-hmm. election it, it's, finances. And
3: it's going to be really interesting to compare how this next election is run versus the last one. We'll have to kind of dive back into the spending that was done in 2015 mm-hmm. and, and how that all worked and and look at how it plays out in 2019. And a big part of this as well, so um, basically what they're being defined as is
0: associated parties. So, for example, um, Wild Rose, Progressive Conservatives and UCP all have the same leader, president and chief financial officer is kind of they all fall under the same umbrella so the one who would decide whether or not they're associated would be the election commissioner who is the new position of course it caused another kerfuffle in the ledge but we talked about that last week but it's um so not the chief electoral officer this election no, commissioner, this election commissioner this. would okay. deal with that yeah so the election commissioner is the one who would say actually the alberta party and the liberal party you guys are basically samesies and you're going to fine you're going to get a fine but they could also face fines afterwards as well they could do this go through the election and then someone complains the election commissioner looks back and goes yeah that's right you're going to face a fine and then the government's argument is well that's enough to tell to, to get people thinking well we shouldn't be doing it in the first place so it that, depends though, on how much money you have how I big a so. fine you can pay i did ask them too is are you just like have you not announced the two by-elections that we're still waiting for so that you could get this bill passed so that it would apply to those by-elections? They said no, but I have my doubts. Uh, which, yeah, <laughs> we still haven't heard Innesvale, Sylvan Lake. And that deadline, those and deadlines are coming Soon, up. mate, yeah. soon. And Brian Jean, of course, uh, in Fort Mac. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so anyway, look forward to those by-elections. Because <laughs> I'm a like, huge nerd. Nothing like
3: a by-election. <laughs>
0: Let's just switch gears to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you, dear listeners, might also enjoy. Paula, would you kick us off, please, my dear? Sure.
1: I was in Toronto on the weekend for the National Newspaper Awards.
0: And congratulations on your big win.
3: Yes, Yay! congratulations. We're sitting with National Newspaper Award winner Paula Simons. Right.
1: So <laughs> the nice thing about going to the NNA is apart from the fact that I got a free trip to Toronto and I saw all my <laughs> friends and family and I won – I won. Yay. That's like um, a lot of really good things. A lot of really good things. But you also get to be reminded of a lot of really, really good journalism that maybe you didn't catch the first time around. And so uh, I want to recommend that people look at two things. One, I mean, Robin Doolittle won in investigations for her big unfounded series for the Globe and Mail. And, and. And good on her. But I didn't realize that the Toronto Star this year was nominated for a truly extraordinary series, equally extraordinary, about um, uh, temporary workers in Toronto working in places like bread factories where there were horrific injuries.
0: Anyway, it was Is that way the journalist went on to cover.
1: Yeah. It was yeah.
3: it was a very very good that was story. So series. I
1: wanna re- and I also want to recommend um Melissa Martin, who's a columnist for the Winnipeg Free Press. But she won she won she won last year. She's an amazing columnist, just beautiful writing, beautiful, beautiful pieces that were submitted this year. And so I'm going to provide Emma a link so that you can read some of Melissa Martin's really extraordinary work. Just gorgeous gorgeous
3: pieces of writing. Thank you as always, the links will be up on EdmontonJournal.com. Hooray. You can in if if you're if you're interested in that the workforce, the work uh manufacturing series. Um, IRE podcast did a great interview about her reporting on that uh, in uh, November 28th episode, Workforce at Risk. I just happened to listen to it last night when Are I was so doing it, dishes. So we'll
1: put, we'll put up the link to the Toronto Star piece and we'll put up the link to the podcast about the Toronto Star piece. Yeah. So
0: many links. All of the links.
2: Clancy. I'm, I'm going to recommend a piece that's um, really quite disturbing but important to read. I think. Uh, Every week, Clancy. I know. You can really count I, on you. I, Such I know. A um, it's, uh, it's about the Fallout out and what's going on right now with New York's attorney general, or former oh, attorney yeah. general who resigned, Eric oh. Schneiderman, uh, who sued Harvey Weinstein, has been lauded as a feminist and someone who was a champion for the Me Too movement. And then it turns out that little, four, of his, four of his four um, of his yeah uh, former uh, partners accused him of well three former partners and one woman who he had, he had been um, hitting, hitting on uh, accused him of violent behavior in, including hitting them uh, demeaning them just like really disturbing uh, abuse and it's a really important read because it's the it's exactly what like a wolf's and a wolf in sheep's clothing story about someone who is, is celebrated as a feminist and an ally and then turns out to be um, you know on the level of... Of people like Harvey Weinstein. Yes,
1: but it, it so, there really were echoes of Gomeshi, except in some ways. I mean, he, he's he's even more powerful, and it's really it's a it, there's a lot of political fallout too because he was one of the people who was supposed to be you know uh, holding Donald Trump to account. Good,
2: good. And yeah, and what's interesting um, about this piece is that he was the highest. Uh, law enforcement officer in new york and then it's these really educated high-powered women who were in a situation where they felt like they couldn't come forward because he was the law so to speak and told them that
0: oh yeah i'm gonna lighten the mood (laughs) um this weekend for those of you who know me well know that i'm obsessed with eurovision Um, Oh yes the European Singing Contest, it also has Australia now, which I still think is weird and not necessarily correct. However, as an Australian, I suppose I support it. Um, it is the most fun thing ever to happen each year. Uh, my husband and I actually went to Stockholm a couple of years ago just to go to Eurovision. Met up with a buddy from England there. I love to watch it every year. Um and I highly recommend that you can watch it now. It is a it's usually live screen live streamed on YouTube, but it's been blocked in North America because of some stupid licensing kerfuffle. But I will find some links about amazing Eurovision things and some of my favorite um, some of my favorite so wait, performances so you're ever. You saying we can't watch it?
1: How, what no, are you? I'm saying do? there are
0: ways you can, Paula, but they oh, may or may not be legal.
1: And we're not going to discuss them so we're not on the podcast, that, especially this, podcast. with Sarah sitting here.
0: <laughs> I, what I'm, am, I'm just, oh, yeah, Sarah's like, really I'm upset, upset about the Eurovision and the <laughs> Eurovision Yeah, well, yeah.
3: Like, yeah, I guess I basically am the fun police. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Poor um, Sarah, no, but, the
0: but there are there a are great... That You know what? The website every year just makes me really happy. I'll put up last year's finalist. He's a Portuguese... No, the guy who won last year. He's a Portuguese guy who actually had a really thoughtful and lovely song about art. Clancy and I were like no, watching it at I the same time and we were him. booing it, but it was lovely. And then all of Europe got behind him and wow, wah, wah, wah. Anyway... I hope there's more pyrotechnics this year. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's the S- best, Sarah. <laughs> I, <can't
3: laughs> I guess so. guy, how do I top Eurovision? <laughs> okay, well, I I'll I'll, can't, but I'm, that's okay. Yeah, okay, well, in my reputation, that is like no fun. Um, I'll <laughs> go back to serious journalism. Um, it, in the 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 Pulitzers were announced a few weeks ago, and I had an opportunity uh, re- to look at some of the pieces, and I. Last night was reading at the piece that won ex- the Explanatory Journalism Award uh, for The the Wall, uh, which is a, a piece that, uh, well, it's a series that the Arizona Republic and USA Today and other papers in that chain did together. It is an amazing look at the U.S.-Mexico border, and it's, it looks at where the wall is, w- what exists now, and what it would take to build a wall. It looks at the political, the cultural, the social implications. It is, it truly is a comprehensive look at it and they traced through helicopter some by foot a little bit of driving uh, the entire border and map out what what it would what is there now and it's just fascinating and i learned so much about the u.s mexico border that i didn't know
0: that's amazing yeah guys thank you so much for joining me um paula simons claire clancy and sarah o'donnell for joining me here on the press gallery podcast you can of course find all of our episodes at the dot no video this week but that's okay you can just imagine our lovely faces in your mind um and join us again this time next week on the press gallery